0: Welcome, so glad you're here to join uh, with us in worship and uh, teaching of the word. People keep asking me, uh, how are you holding up? And to be honest, I don't really know how to answer the question because everything still feels so new. Uh, my wife Vanessa and I have been talking about this and I said it's either gonna end up like Swiss Family Robinson and we're gonna have some killer fort in the backyard when this is all done or it's gonna end up something like Lord of the Flies and I think the verdict is still a little bit out on that uh, but you know, I've been following the news uh, closely and reading the memes and I read uh, just recently people were uh, predicting that in nine months there's gonna be a baby boom uh, in the US and I just wanna add my prediction to that I think if there is a baby boom in the next nine months, it'll be all firstborn children. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we're, we're, we're studying the Word of God this morning together, and I'm glad to be studying with you. Uh, you know, it may not feel always like salvation is here, but I want to tell you salvation is here today. Uh, that Jesus is here. He is our salvation. Uh, in verse 11 of chapter 19 of Luke, what we're studying today in this parable, uh, the parable begins this way, actually before Jesus gets into the parable. The, the Word of God says, as they heard these things... And so as we're studying this text and we look at verse 11, as they heard these things has to bring to our mind, what had they heard? Uh, Last week we studied um, the story of Zacchaeus and that's what they had just heard. They'd heard this whole conversation. Uh, I want you to look at verse 9 of Luke 19 and you'll be able to kind of be in the context that this parable happens in. Uh, And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, that's the house of Zacchaeus, since he is also a Son of Abraham, today salvation, salvation has come, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so they are in a conversation about the salvation that comes through Jesus. And he's going to tell them this parable because Jesus uh, knows what they don't know. So Jesus tells this parable to teach his followers that the story of King Jesus involves his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his ultimate return. And so you see in verse 11, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. And he wants to do some correcting in this parable. They're nearing Jerusalem. And he said, therefore, a nibble man went to a far off country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And so he's preparing them. As they're approaching Jerusalem, they're approaching the death of Jesus, they're approaching the burial of Jesus, approaching the resurrection of Jesus, ultimately his ascension. But there is a time uh, before Christ returns. And there are times, many times throughout human history, like the one we're living in right now, where where we can't help ourselves to cry out, uh, Lord, come back quickly. Like we, we long for your return. In 2 Peter 3.8, I want you to, to hear the words of Peter because I think this is what Peter is expressing here is, is I think what all of us who are believers in Jesus are all feeling uh, at one moment. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to do his renewal thing. He's going to do his renewal work, and Jesus is doing that right now. He's restoring the world lost and broken by sin. In Revelation 21, we read about that restoration. When the old has passed away and the new has come, what will happen is Jesus is going to wipe away tears. Uh, The scripture says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And boy, I want that, don't you? I want, I want this reality to be gone. I mean, I want the suffering to be gone. I want the heartache to be gone. I want the tears to be gone. But we live in a space between. We, we, we live in the and between the ascension of Jesus and his return. See, in Luke 19, 11, he says, as there were, the scripture says, as they're drawing near to Jerusalem, near is the key word here, he says, I'm going to tell you a parable about a nobleman who went far away. Far is a key word there. Sometimes it feels like Christ is really far away. Sometimes it feels like his kingdom is really far away. But if you've been reading uh, the scriptures up at this point, if you've been reading the book of Luke to this point, or if you are familiar with the story of Jesus, you'll know that Jesus has been declaring from the very beginning of his ministry that the kingdom is now. It's present, it's now. But the kingdom of Jesus is both here and not yet. It's, it's here, but it's not fully realized. There are still tears, and there's still death, and there's still, uh, <laughs> there, there, there's still heartache in this life that we're living in, but it's temporary. Uh, it's, it's ever fading away. That One day, Jesus is going to restore this world that's lost and broken by sin. He's going to make everything new again, and that's good news for you and me. But we are not called to merely wait on Jesus. That's what the point of the parable is. We are called to work, the, to, to do the work of Jesus, to work with Jesus, to restore all things. And so in Luke nineteen 12, let's read together. As he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return, here's the parable, calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minus. And he said to them, engage in business until I come. Now this parable if you read it, sounds a lot like the parable of talents in Matthew 25. But the parable of talents is about stewarding your unique gift. Uh, you see that in Matthew 25:15. He gave each talents according to his ability, the Bible says. This parable is about stewarding the currency of the kingdom that is common to every believer. There were 10 servants who all received the same amount of 10 coins. Uh, they were told to steward that, to do business with, with that money. It was the, the common grace given to everyone in, uh, in the parable. And what we're being told here is that all of us have some, some common economy to steward within the context of God's kingdom. And we need to ready ourselves for the moment that God has called us to, this moment right now. And God has given you certain things to steward for the moment that we're all living in. And, and there are two things I think this moment is calling us to, uh, to... Primary things. When I, when, I mean this, when, I, when I say this moment, what I'm speaking of is the moment of, you know, that we're not personally meeting today. We're meeting online. Why? Because things are going on in the world, boy, that have caused everything uh, to, to feel urgent and uh, overwhelming. And uh, I tell you, as a pastor, I have met this moment a number of times just with a, a feeling of uncertainty. Uh, I, I've, I've worried uh, that I have not properly prepared you for this moment. And there are two things I want you to know about the moment we're in. One is that all of us need to own our own discipleship. Uh, this, this moment is calling out of us an ownership of our own discipleship. I read a powerful article this week. Um, Ed Stetzer wrote it. The title of the article was, Pastors from Europe Tell North America Get Ready Now. In reading the article, it was was compelling. Uh, The article reads this way, The spiritual crisis that the church leaders are dealing with right now is not a crisis of streaming weekend services. The crisis that many churches are facing is that they have not adequately equipped men and women to lead the people in their homes and in their neighborhoods. Miguel Castillo, uh, who is a church planting coaching coordinator for M4 Europe, says that when a crisis shows up, What is inside of you shows up. And it's in these times that Miguel realized that we have not really trained people to feed themselves from the scripture. And so one of the things I want to challenge you with today is that you, in your home, in your dormitory, in your apartment, uh, wherever it is you're streaming this from, that you need to own your own discipleship. And that you need to also have ownership over your evangelism. We are in a unique moment in Christian history. <laughs> More people are seeking answers right now than any other time in our own living history. I cannot think of a time where the entire world was, had hit pause on their lives and are asking questions, fundamental questions, about the nature of life, about the nature of suffering, about is there redemption, is there hope, where is hope, where do we find it? And friends, we have the answer. <laughs> And so we have to be stewarding our own discipleship, and we also have to be stewarding well uh, the the, the message of grace that God has given us. And so I've been reading this parable over and over and over again. I'm looking at verse 13 now, and he said, calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 coins to steward and said, engage in business until I come. And so I want to challenge you this morning, this evening, whenever you're watching this particular service, to steward Five currencies of the kingdom. Uh, there are five currencies that, that has, currencies that God has given us as steward. I think we need to be called to steward them well. Uh, these are the five currencies I want to challenge you with today. The, the currency of prayer. The currency of hope. The currency of peace. The currency of grace. The currency of forgiveness. This is what God has given you to steward. The, the things that are common to every believer that you can steward and steward well, hopefully. So I first want to talk to you about the currency of prayer. Let me say this about prayer. Prayer is honest talk. (laughs) Listen to the words of Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Uh, We are in anxious times. And if there's ever a time for all of us to engage in honest talk with God, it's now. We should be talking to him honestly about what's going on and the anxieties that we're feeling. And prayer is how we put our uncertainty to rest by resting in his certainty. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians about anxiety. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. How do you answer the anxiety you're experiencing? By praying and by talking to God about them, about resting in his surpassing power. Prayer is our primary means of changing the world. And so we ought to be praying. And this is a confidence, says John, that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Let me just challenge you, friends. Too many, too many prayers go unanswered because too many prayers go unprayed. I'm just going to say it again. Too many prayers go unanswered because too many prayers go unprayed. In James 4 2, James says, You do not have because you do not ask. So, can I encourage you again from the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. I want to get just really practical with you right now about prayer, how to steward this well. And there are four kinds of prayers I want to challenge you to pray. Uh, one of the prayers is, I'm afraid. I'm afraid prayers are totally appropriate at this time. It's when you go to God and say, I'm afraid. Here are my anxieties. I'm going to cast my anxieties upon you because I know you care for me. It's a time for you to be real with God about what you're afraid of. Listen, if you're a student right now and you're listening, this is totally appropriate for you to sit down with your mom and your dad and say, I'm afraid. If if you're a child and 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 you're worried about what's going on in the world, totally appropriate. It's really appropriate to take that fear and that worry to God in prayer and to cast your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. I'm afraid prayers are totally appropriate. But what's also appropriate is your awesome prayers. Just going to God in heaven and saying, I want to acknowledge how awesome you are. We need to be talking about the God who created the stars in the sky. He knows them all by name. We need to be talking about the God who who, who formed the universe in the palm of his hand. We need to see ourselves as grasshoppers hopping around on the face of the earth and the almighty God above on in his throne like We've got to just be in awe of him. And so we should be praying your awesome prayers. God, you are just so awesome. Father in heaven, holy is your name. So I'm afraid prayer is totally appropriate. Uh, Your awesome prayers really needed. But you know, it's also good to just go to God and say, I need your help. I need your help prayers are really appropriate. And, And you might just need to say to God, I need help. I need help with my belief, <laughs> I, need, I need help with my rent, <laughs> I've lost my job, I need help. Like this is asking God for your daily bread kind of prayer. And it's okay to go to God and say, give me this day my daily bread, I'm worried, I'm anxious, I've lost my job, my, my hours have been cut, uh, the, my, my business is struggling, these are, I need your help. I need your help prayers are totally appropriate at this time. But, but I wanna challenge you with a fourth prayer and that is help me to help. At this time, there are a lot of people in the world who need help, and there are a lot of people in our families who need help, in our neighborhood who needs help, in our church who need help. Asking the Lord to bless you to be a blessing is totally appropriate at this time. So to say to God, help me to help, is the right prayer. And I know this will happen. If you ask the Lord, help me to help, he will bring to mind the things that he has blessed you with in order to be a blessing to others. And no matter what you're going through right now, you have something in your possession, some gift that God has given you to steward well to help others. And so that's the currency of prayer. Let's steward that well. We also have a currency of hope. I want to challenge you, friends. Our hope, our hope is alive. And death is cannot defeat it. Again from Peter, in 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a, come on, hear me, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Our hope is living because our hope is in Jesus Christ who conquered sin and death. Like, that's our hope. Our hope is also supernaturally given. Romans 15 may just be a passage you need right now. This is, the, the, the words from the Apostle Paul just may be a prayer that I pray over you right now. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in a hope. Can I just speak that blessing over your home, your living room, your back porch, your bedroom? Right now, <laughs> may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may, hear me, abound in hope. None of the pain of this life can compare to what God has in store for you and me. We have, we have so much cause for hope. The Apostle Paul from Romans 8. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Again, the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians 4:17, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What what you are going through might be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. God. What you're going through might be bigger than you. But it is not bigger than God. There was a man whose son was possessed by a demon. He wanted so desperately for Jesus to heal his son. And he prayed to the Lord Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And you might be in that space right now in your own walk with God. And I just want to encourage you to pray that prayer. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Listen, friends, the world is desperate for hope, and we need to become experts in hope. Like, we need to be slinging hope like crazy right now because people are in need of it. And your social media feed ought to transition from funny memes about COVID-19 to just slinging hope because people need hope so badly right now. We need to be experts in hope, asking the Lord to give us hope supernaturally by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we are to steward the currency of prayer. We're to steward the currency of hope. And friends, we're to steward the currency of peace. You and I, if you're a believer in Jesus, and if you're listening in, I I want you to want what we have access to, okay? If you're an unbeliever listening in, I want you to want what we have access to. If you're a believer in Jesus, we have access to mind-blowing peace. Listen to the words the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. You have access to peace that is mind-blowing. And if there's ever been a time when people need peace, it's now. We not only have access to this mind-blowing peace, we, we have a responsibility to be peacemakers. Jesus taught us blessed are the peacemakers and we are called to be peacemakers and peace I mean, peace is the experience of the world operating as it should be and peacemakers we create peace when when we work with Jesus as he's doing all his renewal work in the world he's making all things new and we we partner with him and so let's steward well the peace that God has given us let's steward well prayer let's steward well hope let's steward well the currency of grace another currency that God has given us to steward <laughs> Man, I, I have washed my hands so many times. I won't be surprised at the end of this experience that my fingerprints have left my hands. I mean, we're going to have a national crisis here because nobody's going to have anything left. I mean, I've just chemically removed all the skin from my hands. Look, we have been taught and told how to wash our hands. Now it's time to be taught how to wash feet. Jesus After washing his disciples' feet and serving them, he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. As Christians, see, we give grace because we received grace. Christ has served us so well. He's taught us how to wash feet how to serve the poor, care for others. When the gospel was first preached in Acts chapter 2, and and the resurrection of Jesus was proclaimed, and this coming of his kingdom was beginning to be experienced, do you know what Christians did? They dedicated themselves to the teaching of the word, to to prayer, to breaking bread together. But you know what else they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 45? They were selling their possessions, and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. As the times become more desperate, Christians, we must become more generous. It's it's what God's calling from us. We've received so much grace. I was moved by Second Corinthians eight this week, just thinking about generosity in the context of suffering. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul praising the Church of Macedonia, who want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Where they have a for they they gave according to their <laughs> For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, says Paul, and beyond their means, of their own accord. We are to steward well the gift of God's grace. We we have received so much, and it is our responsibility then to be agile and available. And can I just? hit pause here and give you a commercial. Right now at New City Church, man, we are working hard to be generous to those who are in need. And every Friday, we have an opportunity to be serving children in our city and caring for their needs at Mission Ave Elementary School. And we need to be be responsive. And so we need your generosity not only to New City by giving online, but we need your generosity by bringing food and items that we can share with those in need. There are many in our community who have lost their jobs and are losing their jobs, and we need to be agile and available to care for the needs of our community. And so I wanna encourage you, if you've received the grace of Jesus and share the grace of Jesus, we've been called to steward well the currency of prayer, the currency of hope, the currency of peace, the currency of grace, and the currency of forgiveness. John Stott says, forgiveness is is as indispensable to life and health of the soul as food is for the body. I included forgiveness in the message today because of this this next point. (laughs) If your house is full of stressed out and bored sinners, you're going to need forgiveness. I know my home needs it. Uh, we, we've we been stressed out and cooped up, and guess what? Uh, I have not been 100% pure in my speech, and I know that my children have not in theirs, my wife is not in hers, and, uh, because we're sinners and need grace, and I'm so thankful for the grace of God and his forgiveness. I know that I can confess my sins to him, and he forgives, and we're, we're trying to find a rhythm and an opportunity in our home. And listen, if somebody in your house right now needs forgiveness from you, if someone, someone sitting on the same couch as you right now needs forgiveness, then give forgiveness. But there's another reason I included this in the talk today, because as sickness and death increases. And the fear of losing people close to us settles in. All of our unresolved conflict will become front of mind. And so I just want to challenge you to ready your heart. Just ready your heart for what's, about, what's coming our way. Um, and one of the ways you ready your heart is by confessing sins. Just confessing your sins before God. He's faithful, he will forgive you for your sins. Receive His forgiveness and do that in a way that allows, like, that allows that His forgiveness to settle into your soul so deeply that you have forgiveness to give away. You see, to the measure you receive forgiveness, you will be able to forgive. And there may be somebody in your life right now who's vulnerable. It might be a parent, it might be a grandparent. It might be somebody in your story that you have just been putting off that difficult conversation, but the current reality has you now in a space where you've got to steward well the gift of forgiveness. If Christ has forgiven you your sins, please, my friend, take this opportunity to be a forgiving person, to reach out to the person that needs that forgiveness. This is a time for all of us to embrace faith over fear. Let's look again to our parable in 1915. When he returned, and by the way, Christ will return. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. And then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And then the parable goes to a place of judgment. We've got to be careful in reading these parables that so we don't uh, overread into them. Uh, but what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that there are degrees of stewardship that are observable. That, you, that there are degrees of faithfulness that are observable. So let's be faithful stewards of the economy of Jesus. That's the big idea of the parable. Don't be like the one who buries it or or, who who hides it in a handkerchief. Be like the ones who took what God has given and made much of it, engaged in the mission of God, stewarded well the economy of the kingdom. See, Jesus has offered us the, the antidote to the most powerful sickness of our time. In fact, he is the antidote to sin and death. Jesus, he's offered us us an antidote to the things that we're struggling with right now. Many people right now are struggling with powerlessness. Well, guess what? Prayer is the antidote to powerlessness because prayer gives you access to the surpassing power of God. There are many who are dealing with despair, sadness, hopelessness, but hope is the antidote to despair. We have a hope that's alive. Jesus prays from the dead. He's living. It's a living hope. Many of us are are feeling so out of control, and the chaos of it all is really disturbing, and peace is the antidote to chaos. Holding on to us, peace. He's offered us peace that surpasses all understanding. He's called us to be a people of peace, a people who are making peace in the world, and peace is the antidote to chaos. Grace is listen, is the antidote to poverty. He's called us to be a people of grace. And he's called us to be generous, even even in our own poverty, to find ways to be generous. Forgiveness is the antidote to bitterness. Jesus has given us these, these, these things to steward. Prayer, hope, peace, grace, and forgiveness. Let's steward them well. Let's steward the currency of the kingdom well. So when Christ returns, he could look at us and see that we've, we've taken advantage of what he's given us and we've used it in a way that served others the way he would serve others. Jesus tells this parable as he's about to head into Jerusalem. It's in Jerusalem that he's beaten for me and you. It's in Jerusalem that he's crucified for me and you. It's in Jerusalem that he's buried and he rises in the grave and conquered sin and death and it's important for us to consistently remember that Jesus is a conqueror and because of him we are more than conquerors. And We have so much, we have so much at our disposal. Because of Jesus we are heirs to the throne and we get to cry out to our God in heaven as a father. It's wonderful what Jesus has done for us. Purchased us out of slavery, brought us into sonship. What an incredible gift. We end our, our services at New City uh, with a time of worship but also we include in worship giving and generosity and I'd like to encourage you to be generous uh, today you can text to give you can give online there's a button at the top of this online feed to give but we also want to encourage you to take communion at home uh, to take the elements of the bread and the juice and remember the, the body of Christ broken for you remember the blood of Christ shed for you And you might just over your family say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And pray together, receive his forgiveness, receive his peace, receive his grace, receive hope from him. Pray to him and ask him for his power in this very uncertain times. Uh, Prayer is an uh, an important habit. One of the things I've been missing is praying with you in community on a Sunday morning. And so one of the ways that we can pray together today is just to pray the same prayer at the same time. I'd like to end the time today with just a a, a prayer uh, to our Lord Jesus. And so the prayer will be on the screen and you can read along with me. So let's read this prayer together. Lord Jesus Christ, you taught us to love our neighbor and to care for those in need as if we were caring for you. In this time of anxiety, give us strength to comfort the fearful, to tend the sick, and to assure the isolated of our love and your love. For your name's sake, and all God's people said, amen. God bless.